Thanks for tuning in to this extra Dig Deep conversation. Since 2016, we've been pairing conservative thinker Chuck Marone with liberal thinker Aaron Brown. We hear from them about history, about change, about traditions in our world and how things operate and how it relates to right now, right this moment. In this next conversation, we hear them talk about how this election of 2020 is not like any election we have seen before. It's important to note, though, we had this conversation on September 10th. Things have changed, most notably the passing of Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Next week at this time, we'll hear more from Dig Deep and we'll address issues like the loss of Ruth Bader Ginsburg and other issues pertaining to this moment in time, whether it's elections, a global pandemic, economic hardship, isolation from our usual communities. Last Friday night, KEXE, KBXE, and some of our listeners participated in a national listening session through America Amplified. What became even more stark to me was how important listening is. Listening with curiosity, listening without judgment. The author Stephen Covey said most people do not listen with the intent to understand. They listen with the intent to reply. Stay tuned for this edition of Dig Deep. It's member-supported KAXE, KBXE. If you are a member, thank you for supporting this kind of thoughtful local programming. And thanks to the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund. Chuck Marone begins our extra Dig Deep conversation. This is something that I kind of batted around, and I, I, I am genuinely asking this because I don't know. It, it feels to me like two things are true. One, we have no idea how to do an election with mail-in ballots. Like the idea of within a short period of time deciding to go to an election where you would have all mail-in ballots or, you know, doing that on a national level where, can you imagine Florida doing stinking mail-in ballots? I mean, they can't even do a, a normal ballot in a normal election. The idea that we're going to have a credible election where mail-in ballots are a sizable percentage of the actual vote to me seems like an insanity. I think what is also true is that there are efforts to make voting less accessible, make voting more difficult, and that that has benefits. I think you could argue it has benefits for Republicans if they can take voters who are low information voters or passive voters or voters who have two jobs that they're working on election day and can't make it, that there's a benefit for Democrats the more people who turn out to vote. It seems to me like both of those things can be true. And I really don't know how to reconcile them because I hear one party telling me this won't work. It's chaos. It's, it's terrible. And I hear another party telling me it's an injustice and it's horrific if we don't do this and we have to do mail-in balloting. And, and I'm quite sympathetic to both arguments while being skeptical of both arguments simultaneously. What am I missing? Well, I don't know. I think it certainly could be true that national mail-in election that hasn't been thought through would be disastrous. We don't really have that. We have a state-by-state -state election, and certain states, I think, are going to be just fine. I really don't have a lot of worries about Minnesota, for instance. I don't, because Minnesota has a mail-in rate last time that broke a record in the 40-ish percent rate, and they're saying it could be much higher this time, maybe 60%, but the procedures really wouldn't change. So like a state like Minnesota, not worried about it. There are six states that 
do an all mail-in ballot anyway, Utah, Oregon, a few others. Not huge states, but Oregon and Utah have big In terms of the only election that matters, the only race that matters, those oh, states yeah. don't matter They won't matter be that anyway. close. They won't be no. that close. Um, so um, I, I mentioned the two of them just to point out that it's not just Democratic states that, that have embraced this. There are uh, both cost savings and mechanical, logistical things that are actually superior to mail-in voting. And your participation rate is, is, is generally higher. If you agree that that's a good thing, it's a good thing. <laughs> but what we've had, and, and this was perhaps deliberate, I think it was at least half deliberate, was this slow moving train coming down the tracks that was, okay, we're in a pandemic. When we finally grasped what that meant, it became evident that it might be safer to vote by mail or by absentee ballot for a lot of people would certainly feel that way. Um, and that in fact, in the, in the midst of a pandemic that coincides, happens to coincide with a national election. And I'd like all my friends to realize that the global pandemic was not designed in any relationship to the United States election. It is a global pandemic. But that being said, uh, the pandemic. Oh, really? Will, oh, that is, is a, the pandemic will, Trump? yep. The pandemic will disappear as soon as the election's over is a common trope that I hear. And so I'm going to dismiss that out of hand, but say that a lot more people are going to want to vote by mail, not just here in Minnesota, but in any given place. And in a lot of states, for various reasons, often political, as you say, if the second thing you say is true, that that there are um, efforts to keep certain kinds of voters from voting or just generally keep the numbers down, that a lot of places have made it difficult to vote absentee or vote by mail, as you might say, and have a lot of challenges getting ballots out, getting ballots marked and handled properly by the voter, and then returned the nest the correct person in place in a way that allows them to be counted in a timely fashion. And that the system was already overtaxed or tapped out, and that now it's going to double because more, many more people are applying for absentee ballots. I think I saw one estimate, um, 61 or 60 some percent of Americans might attempt to vote by mail. And, and that's just an- You're talking tens of millions of people. Yeah, yeah, yeah a hundred right. million people. I mean, it's going to be an, an enormous amount of people trying to vote by mail. Some of them, many of them for the first time ever, however old they are, how many times they've voted before. I just and, and, have these nightmares of yeah. hanging chads. Well, I mean, we, all three of us remember Florida, 2000. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. And I was working the 2000 election uh, for Voter News Service, uh, which was the old, why well, they, I guess, technically still exist, but they used to be the primo place for predicting elections. And they're the ones who got hung with the, you know, they screwed up Florida and they called it too soon. And, and, and that was kind of the end of them. But I was working for them that night in Minnesota. So anyway, but we all have that modern memory. And we also have the memory, though it's less contentious of the uh, the recount with the Frank and Coleman race in 2008 here in Minnesota. Those are child's play compared, both of those cases are child's play compared to what we might soon face in this country. And I'll point out a couple reasons that I'm worried about it. And I'm just, I'm agreeing with you, Chuck. I don't think that mail-in balloting has to be a disaster, but I think that the way it's been rolled out in certain states, it likely, I mean, maybe not every I, I state. I would agree with that. But, yeah, but I don't but, think, I don't think it would have to be the end of the, the voting yeah. apocalypse. Yeah. But I think in the time we have right now, mm -hmm. we might be setting up voting apocalypse. Well, it's like when you run simulations, I've got 50 states, that's 50 simulations. 
am I confident that all 50 simulations will run perfectly and that we won't have ballot problems or we're in a close race, we might not have enormous questions about which votes count. Because that's what this, there's this thing that the old, like gangs in New York use this, but it's an old phrase from machine politics, Tammany Hall days in New York is, it's not who gets the most votes, it's who keeps counting the votes. Uh, and so uh, one of the big questions in elections is which ballots count and which ones don't. How do we make sure that this is a valid ballot? For instance, Chuck, you mentioned that there are sometimes efforts based on various reasons to keep certain kinds of voters, like you, you, you mentioned low information voters, voters in, in um, certain places. One of the challenges we've got in this highly divided world that we live in politically is that democratic voters can generally be found in, in dense places like cities and towns, which means that in Republican states or, or counties or, or, or states where Republicans run the elections offices, they can say, well, we know that there are more democratic votes in this part of the state in this quantifiable district or region or precinct than there are in these other places where we know there are more votes for our side. And so you can do things like close polling stations or shenanigans with how many people. And that's why you see these enormous lines in cities like Houston or New Orleans or Florida, these enormous lines in, in urban areas where people have to wait hours to vote. Whereas I in Minnesota, granted, Minnesota is generally well run. You don't see long lines. Even in Minneapolis, you might see a few, but generally you don't see a lot of long lines in Minnesota, but I can walk into Balsam. I'm not even voting by mail because I know that I can safely, with my mask on, walk in to the voting place, vote and walk out with almost as much safety as delivering my ballot to the mailbox. So it's not a problem for me. But this, these are ways that the election can be gamed, both on the front end in how they determine where the votes are, but then 100,000 ballots come in by mail. And certain states have laws about postmarks. Some don't and some do. Some have different limits on the postmarks. Some have two days, some have four days, some have five days, you know, some have a week. And are we going to have the patience as a country? And the answer is no, of course. Oh. Are we going to have the patience to allow things that don't comport with our desired outcome to play out? Because what's going to start happening is, well, wait a minute, there's 250,000 votes in Michigan. Let's say Michigan's close. Or let's say North Carolina is actually another place that's potentially very close. And let's say it's Trump's up by 16,000 votes. I'm ballparking this here, making this up. But there's 100,000 votes sitting in, in the a, mail in a, somewhere, either in yeah. the mail or they're in an election office, they're provisional ballots or this or that. And, and, and it's going to take maybe several days to figure out which ones are valid and which ones maybe were, were replaced at the ballot by people who voted in person or and there's a way to do all of that fairly and justly and equitably, but it'll take six days. I mean, how long before the Supreme Court gets involved? How long before emergency injunctions are put out by Republicans or Democrats or whoever trying to game this? And that's where I think the chaos will come. It, it'll be in the fact that initially, and the other thing, you can see it just in the last poll of Minnesota that I just saw, they they actually polled the question, um, are you voting from home or are you voting by mail? Or are you going to vote in person? And the, the partisan split was enormous. So Trump is leading the in-person voters by about 20 points and Biden's leading the mail voters by about 25 points. Wow. And, and so what's going to happen is if you, if you just, for instance, go off the ticker tape that comes out the ballot, at, ballot box at the end of the night, like it does in our rural precinct, it's going to show an enormous lead for Trump. 
And then it's going to get much closer as the other votes start coming in. And eventually, as the vote gets closer and eventually, let's say Biden passes, Biden likely will pass Trump at some point in Minnesota. Do we have any belief that there won't be at least an attempt to show, oh, that's just chicanery of the grandest sort? Uh, can you believe this, that Biden is stealing the election? Because I know they did it with Al Franken when he passed Norm Coleman. That was uh, 12 years ago when we all got along better <laughs> than right. we do now. I just, I just look and like, who won the Iowa Democrat primary? The caucus? I, I st- we, we don't know. I mean, we'll I never still know. don't. Yeah, we'll never know. Oh, and, and- <laughs> didn't they never announce that? That, no, they basically called it a tie between Buttigieg and um, uh, who was the other one? Um, not Biden, but Warren. And, uh, maybe Warren. And, and they, they just never, they just said, sorry, it got screwed up and we'll never but I know. I mean, what, what if you have, mm-hmm. I mean, this is where, uh, let me give the opposite, think the horror stories of Coleman Franken. And I agree with you, like if a whole wave of blue ballots come in a week after the election, Republicans will be up in arms. I do think that my recollection of the 2000 uh, Hanging Chad episode was that the Democrats started to get into the, well, you know, what was the intention of the voter? Mm-hmm. And clearly, if they marked Pat Buchanan, but then all Democrats, they actually meant to vote for a Democrat for president. And so we should, mm-hmm. you know, reverse that because the, the butterfly ballot was screwed up. And when you start... I feel like Franken Coleman, we resolved and we largely resolved because Franken and Coleman were like, you know, we're, we have a credible process. Here's what mm-hmm. the outcome was. It's really too close to call. It's kind of a coin flip. We could recount this again for a third time or fourth time or whatever mm-hmm. we did, but we're just going to call. We're done. Yeah. And I give Coleman credit for basically saying, I'm conceding and we're going to move on. No one's going to concede at the presidential level. I don't see Biden conceding. I don't see Trump conceding. Even if there's a clear winner, I I doubt they're going to concede. I don't know if they're apples, if they're exact equal comparisons, the Biden philosophy on this and the Trump philosophy. I think the Trump philosophy has become a little a-democratic in its thinking. And I say that not as just an insult, but they've done some things that indicate that they're all about political power more so than a specific method of of attaining that power, a democratic method. I think that I would agree. Let me put it this way. Yeah. I I think that if Biden wins by a margin that is not really disputable, Trump is more likely to question that than if Trump won by a margin that wasn't really disputable, Mm -hmm. Biden would accept that. That I agree with. I think if the margin is close, all Mm -hmm. bets are off. And I mean, I I think you're going to be in a a knife fight. And because it will be easy to say in any one of several states, well, there's votes that weren't counted or that votes were counted that shouldn't have counted or or whatever you want to say or the mail was screwed up because we've been talking about that for months. And, yes. and this is already baked in because people and the mail-in votes, were they counted right? What about all these ones that are still in the mail? Uh, is that Was that deliberate? So the point being is there, there will be questions, I think, uh, regardless of, like you say, regardless of the outcome. Like you say, I think if this is a blowout for Trump, if Trump wins the popular vote and the electoral vote, for instance, in any fashion, I think you have to say, okay, fine. Uh, Democrats just aren't the type to 
make up a reason uh, to oversee both of those. But there's, for instance, there's certain things that we know are true. Likely Biden wins the popular vote. I feel like 95% certain of that. I do too. Um, because um, of the margins, at, at right. the very least, the margins in California will do that. And other large states and cities. And, and right. so we sit here knowing almost with some certainty that that will happen. But what we don't know is the outcome of the Electoral College. And given the kind of climate we've been in and the, the kind of thing, and as knowing that the next month and a half will be ratcheted up higher and higher with each given day, there will be events staged or not that rile up our blood and make us angry. And, and those will be exploited by various parties. So this is all happening. And so people will not be in the mood to come together by the end of this any more than they are at this precise moment. I'm more concerned about the fact that this could turn out in a way that at least we could agree on the outcome if we were patient and waited for North Carolina and Pennsylvania and Florida and everybody else to do what they're legally bound to do and wait for the, you might not get the result of Florida, for instance, we won't get an election night. We might not get it the next day. It might be the fourth or third or fourth day. And if that's the case, and Florida is the, the flipper one way or the other, like it was in 2000. Do, do we have the patience to keep our poop together? I won't even swear. Do we have the stuff to keep our stuff together in that climate? I bet that the people don't have the patience and that there will be a strong push to, to show demonstrations and to, to complain about this or that. Now, I, I do think that we're looking at a situation where some of these states, the upper Midwestern states, Michigan, the exception, Pennsylvania, possible exception. You know, I, I think we'll know Minnesota by the next morning. I think we'll know Wisconsin by the next morning, one way or the other. And so but it might be a, the, a trend that at least tamps down the worst instincts towards right. Yes, but maybe but not, you know. I guess to me, the whole like CNN ratings, the Fox pundits are, are uptight about. And I, I don't think you care about that either. The thing that gets me uptight is are you sending this to Supreme Court to resolve? Which, which to me seems almost inevitable. That something will go to the Supreme Court, yes. Something will go to the Supreme Court and say, should this count? Do we mm -hmm. accept this? It's hard to see how that gets us to a legitimate outcome. You look at 2000 and for Bush's entire first term, he was an illegitimate president. And I actually think that for the most part, it was kind of played by the rules and it came down to a coin flip in Florida and he won it. And I never understood the four who voted against that, but I know people who are very earnest people who said, I don't understand the majority in that mm -hmm. case. Yeah. So obviously this will be vastly more contentious, infinitely more contentious. And to me, having it go to the Supreme court seems like, like the worst possible outcome with the only other possible outcome being worse in terms of our democracy. Is it going to the house of representatives, Yeah, which would in some ways make the decision clear, but it would make it clear in the same way that the Supreme court deciding five, four yeah. would make something clear. That's Chuck Marone, our conservative commentator. He and Aaron Brown, our liberal are speaking about the elections of 2020 and how different they are than in years past. They will continue that conversation. Don't forget, we taped this conversation earlier this month before the passing of Ruth Bader Ginsburg, Supreme Court Justice.